This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next, conversations on human rights with Speak Up, Kōrerotia, here on Plains FM. Eina mana, eina reo, eina ho e fa, tena koto katoa, no mai ki tene hotaka. Speak up, Korerotia. Tune in as our guests speak up, sharing their unique and powerful experiences and opinions. And may you also be inspired to speak up when the moment's right. Onina Korua. Pakatakati ho kiti uru, pakatakati ho kiti tai, kiama kina kina kiuta, kiama tatatata kitai, he hiaki ana, te ata kura, he teo, he hooker, he ho hu, tihe modiora. Tena kui moko. So Moko has just led us in a karakia to open our korero today. We're going to be talking about the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. And the recent SDG summit that was held and the SDG declaration and the SDG alliance that have formed through and because of that summit and also the summit series that has been going for the last few years in the background. So Moko and our other guest Matt are part of the teams that have been involved in that and I'm really really looking forward today to hearing from them about what's been going on in the background, what's the kind of culmination in the sense of the SDG declaration and the alliance and what we're hoping to see as we move forward with those. So I'd love to hear from you both a little bit about yourselves, um, introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell us a wee bit about how you got involved in the space and why. Perhaps Moko, we'll start with you. Uh, morena koutou, kia ora koutou. He uru taku nō te tairākete, nō te tanga mahaki, nō te ati awa hoki. Um, enari, ka te noho au ki ōtaki, nō te mea tēnā kei anā te raukau I'm from Chatiawa and from Chatangamahaki in Gisborne, and I live in Otaki. Um, I hadn't heard about the Sustainable Development Goals until the last few years, and they really resonated with me uh, in terms of having a, a global framework. And when I saw some of the work that people were doing, it kind of made sense, and it was quite logical how they all paired together. And I like the idea of us all working towards a shared vision. And from that, I met Jill and Ronya through her year. And we came together to write the People's Report. And prior to that, I'd attended a uh, SDG summit uh, in Auckland and then came on board to help with the one in Christchurch, which was fabulous. It was online. So, yeah, that's my involvement with the Sustainable Development Goals. Moko, you mentioned that the People's Report. Could you please talk us through what is that and what was that? Each second year, governments around the world, nations around the world, do a report to the UN on how they're tracking on the Sustainable Development Goals. And uh, this year, Aotearoa did a People's Report. So uh, it was really bringing together civil society, NGOs, Tangata community and coming up with our own report based on the information we had at hand and going around meeting people and seeing what was really going on. So that's how we pulled the people's report together. 
Um, and it's really a, a dashboard or a summary of how we see the SDGs in New Zealand at the moment. I'm really looking forward to hearing how we are seeing the SDGs in Aotearoa at the moment as we go on. That will be really interesting to hear. Okay, and Matt, so interestingly, we have two Morrises as part of our show today. We have Mocha Morris <laughs> and Matt Morris. I presume you're not related? We must be somewhere. Somewhere, somewhere Matt. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Matt, maybe we could hear from you, please. Kia ora, Poto, and, and thanks, Sally, for organising this. Yeah, so I have been involved in sustainability issues for some time, I guess, and particularly through my role at the University of Canterbury as the sustainability advisor, and I've been here for 12 years. We had been participants, I guess, in the first SDG summit, uh, which was held in Wellington in 2018, and then in 2019 as well. And, you know, there's been quite a university focus with the, with the summits, but anyway, a decision was made that it'd probably be good for them to rotate to the South Island. So University of Canterbury and Lincoln put up our hands to co-host or co-facilitate the next summit, which turned into the 2020-2021 summit series. So that's how I got involved. But I mean, I was particularly keen that we do this that you see um, shows some leadership around the SDGs because they are so, so critically important to, <clears throat> to the well-being of our world, which, you know, obviously is facing some very, very, very significant challenges right now. And what I like about the SDGs is that they provide a framework that's easy for people to understand um, and really, really accessible and broaden out people's understandings of what sustainability is from, you know, like often people will think, oh, that's recycling or that's biking to work or, or whatever, to all sorts of other um, areas of, of critical importance, including education, governance arrangements, gender equality, and so on and so forth. So it's also a really helpful framework for just galvanizing efforts around, around sustainability in, in its broadest dimensions. They're not perfect, though. No, they are not. But I think you've done a good job there of introducing us to the concept of the SDGs, what are they, and pointing to the fact that they do have this framework that underpin them. So my first question for you guys basically is, for people who may not be so familiar with the SDGs, and there are still people, I think, who aren't so familiar with them, how would you go about explaining them? And Something that I always find is quite interesting, what would be the ones that for you personally are the most important? And I know that's difficult because they are so interrelated and they are all really important, but which ones do you personally find your driving forces? Over to you, Moko. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I find it difficult to choose. I guess if I had to choose one, it would be um, SDG 17, which is partnership for the goals. And so, you know, that collaboration, that kotahitanga, that unity is really important. What we often tell organisations when they have just started looking into the sustainable development goals is you don't have to be doing all of them. So, you know, 17 can be quite overwhelming and often it's, it's really good just to focus on the ones that you are doing well and commit to those. Often people get caught up in thinking, I have to do all 17. Also, some groups that we've found have started out to do, say, zero hunger goal two and then as they've worked through their organisation they've realised that they actually are tracking on a few other goals as well 
so yeah, I, I I can't choose I can't choose a few, but definitely I think the most important one is is SDG seventeen. Yeah, I mean I would totally yeah totally echo that. Seventeen is it's kind of like the one that that holds all the others together. But if I needed to extend beyond that, like the ones that really call to me are the first three. SDG one is no poverty. SDG two is zero hunger and SDG three is good health and well-being. All of them are really important and they all connect with one another, all 17. But um, yeah, just kind of thinking about my own sort of journey into sustainability issues and areas and actually how I met Moko first as well was through my particular passion for food sovereignty and you know, equitable access to good quality food. And so anyway, that's four. I don't know what I would pick for the fifth one. <laughs> if I had to have five. Probably climate action, eh? But yeah. yeah. I think climate action is one of those other ones that really underpins so much, doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, there's been talk that there's a missing goal, which is support for Rangatahi. So that was kind of noted through some of the talkings within the People's Report we were rangatahi in that. I think as well, and something that we found really highlighted through the SDG Summit series was the almost complete absence of reference to Indigenous peoples within the SDGs, which for us in New Zealand is just, it's such a massive gap. It actually, I think it can make um, the conversation difficult in some ways. So there's a lot more discussion that, that I think we can have and they need to have around, around that particular issue. Yeah, I mean, when we were putting the people's report together, so for example, for Māori, we don't differentiate gender or disability. So whānau means whānau, so that means everybody. And so, you know, some of our cultural identity was difficult to portray within the SDGs. And so that was a little bit problematic as well. Yeah, it's an interesting one. The SDGs have had such kind of championing, but also they certainly have had their fair share of criticism as well. Yeah, but I mean, like Matt said, it's, it's simply a framework and um, it's, it's really the only one we've got globally. And so, you know, if you're subscribing to something you do in your, in your whānau or your hapu or your iwi, and then something globally, you know, what we do here has an impact on the rest of the world. And I, and I like I like thinking that my behaviour can make a difference. So how is Aotearoa New Zealand doing then, Moko, in terms of the recent work you've done around the People's Report? How's the country doing in terms of tracking against some of the, I guess we should say, within the SDGs, there's the framework and the targets beneath that framework. How's the country doing in terms of reaching or trying to reach some of those targets? During the last, I guess, five to six years, there's been lots of who he held to try and incorporate the SDGs into domestic policy and into government strategies. But what's really been lacking is a whole all-of-society strategy and with Tangata Whenua community and voluntary sector perspectives. So if you look at some of the other countries, like, say, Canada's a good example, Finland's a good example, when they developed their SDG responses, they included a whole of society. And so they understood that it needed to be led uh, top down, bottom up at the same time. But here in, in New Zealand, there isn't, like, so for example, we don't have a minister 
dedicated to the SDGs at all. And it's been a little bit overshadowed by the wellbeing framework. You know, they had a recent uh, review of the government's commitment to the Sustainable Development Goals through the Auditor General. And, you know, there were some recommendations from that, which one was to clearly set out New Zealand's commitment to the SDGs and consider how it will work with Māori to ensure that the commitment's upheld and, you know, identify appropriate governance arrangements. So, you know, one thing we've been pushing um, for the last couple of years is a minister dedicated to the SDGs. And I think that would really show some leadership from the government and also uh, have a, a place where all the efforts and all the work and the mahi that's been happening on the ground is achieved. And also it can clearly identify where energy needs to be best spent. Certainly interesting food for thought. So I think it's been really interesting to see, you know, what the findings of the people's report were and then kind of ratcheting that up a notch again, I think, with the Office of the Auditor General's report that Moko just referred to, which really is direct to government, you're not doing enough. Like, that's the thing. And, you know, those recommendations that that Moko pointed to are all really important. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how the government responds back to that. We had Minister Nanaya Mahuta speak at the summit, and she acknowledged the She spoke to what this government has been doing to progress on various issues related to the SDGs, which was good, but it was also really good that she acknowledged that they could do a lot more. So I think we're all kind of waiting to see what that's going to look like. I mean, it was interesting with the minister there because she's Minister of Foreign Affairs and Trade, but also of local government. So it was kind of like a really cool bringing together of those two things. We've seen the SDGs within government really sit in the foreign affairs and trade thing because it's part of an international agreement. And therefore, I think to begin with anyway, they've been interpreted as what's New Zealand's obligation to other states to support them, particularly Pacific Island states, but not so much how do the SDGs apply within New Zealand. So I thought, yeah, having Minister Mahuta having both of those portfolios gives a really interesting lens to revisit where the SDGs sit within government. And I understand that the OAG did present their report to the Select Committee of Foreign Affairs and Trade just a couple of weeks ago. And one of the questions that was coming out of the Select Committee was, does this really sit with us? You know, so we might see some shift there. But I think just standing back a bit and looking more broadly at how is New Zealand doing with the SDGs, We're ranked fairly highly in the world, but there are some major problems. I'm looking at a report here from the Sustainable Development Solutions Network from 2019, which really just highlighted there's problems with hunger in our society, that, you know, there's people starving, problems around climate action, and also around even that that 17 partnerships for the goals, which I think reflects exactly what Moko was talking about before. So we might be scoring over, you know, scoring is also a funny thing about the SDGs is that some people can interpret them as a bit of a tick box exercise. You can do this thing and you score more highly, but there's a lot that we still need to um, get better on. The same report also noticed that we were going backwards in three areas. Uh, One of them was reduced inequalities. And remembering this is 2019, so Mm. perhaps there's been improvements since. Yeah. 
climate action going backwards that's related to land-based biogenic methane and then life on land as well which is also connected surely to our fixation on dairy farming at the expense of the environment yeah and then you know when you're talking about globally with the SDGs the you know the overall situation of Indigenous people worldwide is described as not necessarily left behind but rather pushed further behind there's you know numerous incidents of land grabbing widespread human rights violations you know lots of worsening inequality through land grabbing indigenous people are most invisible in most SDG national plans one of the statistics was 80% of biodiversity is protected by indigenous people but only 10% of that is uh, in their legal territory and so you know it's really difficult to grapple with that and Another statistic was in 2019, there was 125 cases of political killings of Indigenous leaders, and that occurred mostly from people defending land or organising people to defend land. So we mustn't forget what's going on in some of those countries. And also there's like incredible lack of accountability in terms of human rights in, in some of those countries as well. It's very sobering, isn't it? It's also very sobering to think that 2030 is nine years away. It's coming up really fast. We might have our first Waiata then, and we'll get back into thinking more specifically about the SDG Summit series and the outcomes of those in terms of the Declaration and the Alliance.
This is Speak Up Coordinator here and we're talking about the SDGs and the SDG Declaration and the SDG Alliance that have come out of the recent summit series. I'd really like to think about now what are the summit series or what has the summit series been across the last few years and working towards thinking about these recent outcomes. So if you could maybe just provide us with a history of the summit series, what's it been about? Um, why was it set up initially? Those sorts of things. I'll leave that to you, Matt. The first of the Aotearoa New Zealand SDG summits was held at the University of Victoria in 2018. And um, there had been quite a lot of discussion prior to that around how are we going to galvanise action for the SDGs? And in a way that was just sort of noticing something of a vacuum of leadership, perhaps from other quarters. So the University of Victoria brought together around 300 people from lots of different sectors, um, the government sector, business sector, the community sector, to, I suppose, listen to some case studies of best practice or what might be considered best practice um, and consider what they themselves might be able to do within their own organizations to drive change. Yeah, and then the summit was passed on to Auckland University and AUT for doing the next one. So the second summit was held there in Auckland in 2019. I think they had around 450 people came along to that one. And again, an interesting mix of sectors. I think that there was not so much government representation and the the business end of things perhaps wasn't as present as it had been at the first summit. One of the interesting things about having these SDG conversations is that it's sort of like, oh, so who is this conversation for again? And of course, it's for everybody. Everybody needs to be part of the solution and everybody also has something to contribute to the conversation. But you kind of have to frame it so that it's inviting for different people so that they can see themselves in the discussion and understand where they fit. Yeah, so as I said, we down here in Ototahi Christchurch had the, the honour and, and privilege of trying to organise a third summit that could speak to those things. And then we had lockdown. <laughs> so, so what happened was the third summit evolved into a summit series, which it, in the end was made up of three online hui over the course of about a year trying to identify what are the key things that we have to focus on if we're going to get progress, because we don't just want to keep talking about it. We already know these issues. There's been, you know, 101 or a million and one recommendations about how to deal with the issues, but when are we going to do it and what do we do first? And also, how do we work together? How can we create some kind of framework or vision for how we're going to work together? which is really, again, coming back to that SDG 17. So, yeah, so that was our, our challenge. At the same time, we were able to work with an evolving national stakeholder group, um, which was really cool. And, of course, Moko was co-chair of that um, stakeholder group, so is co-chair of that stakeholder group. And it was a lovely process to work with people from around the country on figuring out what do we need most to do in the time that we've got. Yeah, and it was also, I found it was a really inclusive process to Matt that, that you'd put together. So the webinars leading up to the summit were so informative and useful. And I feel like there was a wide range of people represented. So, you know, it's that whole thing. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. 
And so I feel like, you know, people were there at the table that needed to be there. We really tried to do that. And one of the benefits of having that online option was that it made it more accessible for people to come and be part of the conversation in, in a lot of ways. And also that um, we had more time to listen to more voices and kind of digest the information and ideas that were being presented. It's really great to hear that there are some positives that have come about. You know, all of a sudden lockdown, because we've got to reassess everything. But as a participant, and I was also relatively peripherally involved in the stakeholder group, but it worked quite well, actually, in some ways, having that online format. It did allow so much opportunity to process things that might not have otherwise been part of it. Great feedback. How about in terms of who was taking part? What kind of agencies or groups were involved in the hui along the way? We had a lot of people. I'm just trying to think because there were about 80, I think it was over 80 speakers that were involved in the end um, over the course of the whole year. And there were, yeah, yeah, nearly a thousand people participated in the events. Let's see. So the first of the, of the sessions started with a really strong corridor from a couple of young people and just saying, this is what's important to us. And we are empowered to make change happen. So get on board. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, trying to understand a bit more what's happening, you know, to introduce people slowly to the idea that things are in motion, but where are we at? And where are the gaps within government? Where isn't their leadership where there maybe needs to be? And, and also just really landing on that critical issue of where does Te Tiriti or Waitangi fit with the SDGs or where did the SDGs fit with Te Tiriti or Waitangi? And, um, and that, I think, became, the for me anyway, the biggest theme throughout the whole of the series and something that, as I said earlier, there's so much more discussion to be had around there, at least in, in my view. But we also, through the series, touched on, again, coming back to the business community, what are some of the best practice, best case examples that are happening at the moment, some new tools that people can use for their reporting needs or um, developing their strategies to, um, to meet the goals. We had a really cool session where we linked up with a couple of leaders in Pacific Islands, which was a great challenge from a bandwidth perspective. Um, we all had to turn our screens off for that, for that one. But yeah, re just really, really interesting conversations and themes and, and ideas from a broad range of sectors. Yeah, and people were very vocal about, you know, the sense of urgency and not wanting another talk fest, but wanting some action. And so I feel like, you know, that was a, a real big responsibility for the summit, leading up to the summit and in delivering the summit. It wasn't a, everyone sitting around agreeing with each other. There was a lot of heated debate and, and that that's the beauty of the corridor. You know, that's where the magic happens. And I feel like a lot of people left during the webinars and the summit with actually hadn't considered that I need to think about this going forward. And that, that for me was one of the most rewarding parts of it is hearing different views, especially around gender equality, I think, and zero hunger and, yeah, just thoughts to, to consider going forward. And I guess that's one of the reasons why the summit then came up with the declaration and the alliance. That's a means of moving things forward, isn't it? Right from the start, we were doing the people's report. You know, that was pulled together in a 
ridiculously rushed time frame and we kept thinking of the next report, the next report, how can we do better? How can we include more people? What will this look like? And so that's always been in the back of our mind going forward. What's the best way to pull people together and work in unity and work with the benefit of Kotahitanga and making that the most important thing? We were really keen to see that there would be something concrete that would come out at the end. So one idea that emerged really early on was the idea of a declaration. So like, getting a firm commitment from people um, to do something, <laughs> kind of mirroring the COP process, you know, but hopefully with a little bit more success. And then this other idea of do we actually need an organisation or do we need some kind of network or community of practice or something that people can feel they belong to in their quest for making change? Um, and there isn't currently an SDG organisation that is um, really accessible for people. So certainly from our end, we were like, this would be a cool outcome. And it had been something that had already been discussed as well through Huye and through the People's Report work. And so, yeah, it just seemed like a, a really great fit, I guess. I'm not sure whether the summit can take credit for the alliance emerging because there was already that drive for that to happen. But some of the conversations around the alliance did occur within the framework of the summit process. I think it's fair, Mukul. Oh, Matt, you've just been modest. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think. I mean, I think of all the people that have contributed and you know gently nudged us in the right direction, and then you know shoved us when it when we're not going that way. And I think of Iris and Jill and Harvey and Alan and, and everyone on the leadership team and, and all the tech people behind Eric. You know, everyone's contribution, I guess, encouraged uh, the alliance, I, I suppose, and, you know, reiterated that if we're going to do something, we damn well better do it now and we better do it right and really, you know, made people commit to it. Yeah. And I think having the Auditor General report come out too was kind of the shove we needed. Well, we're going to have our next song and then we'll come back and think more about the Declaration and the Alliance.
This is Speak Up Korerotia, Ko Speak Up Korerotia Tene. Today we're talking with Moko Morris and Matt Morris about SDGs, and we're now going to think about the SDG declaration that has come about as a result of the SDG summit. We've kind of talked about why the importance of a declaration is something that people can sign up to and, and kind of feel a sense of momentum. But what was contained within the declaration? What kind of content were people saying was really, really critical to getting movement on these SDGs? The declaration talks about three things. The first one is the fundamentals that everyone agrees are important. The second is just acknowledging um, some of the highlights from the summit series. And then the third is the commitments that people are saying they will do. And it's a brief declaration. It's not, you know, hundreds of pages or anything. It's only a page and a half, depending on your font size. But the very first point is acknowledging Te Tiriti o Waitangi is the founding document for our nation and it must underpin all our actions. And it calls for transformation of our economic and social systems and states that that's urgent. So, you know, these are the key fundamentals that people are saying, yes, we agree to this when we sign this declaration. Also acknowledging that achievement against the SDGs has to be done in collaboration with others, that there isn't actually one single agency that's going to be able to just do it for us. There has to be a collaborative underpinning for the work and that the SDGs are for everyone and nobody can be left behind. So those are the fundamentals. And then the commitments that people agree to doing, there's four of them. The first one is, I suppose, looking internally. What can I do? What can my organization do about the SDGs and committing to um, aligning the SDGs with their own practice? Then the second one is recognize and commit to collaborative action as an ongoing process. So that's kind of more outward looking. So the first one's inward, what can I do? Second one is I also commit to working with others. And then the third and fourth commitments relate to the SDG Alliance saying, we're really keen that this is happening and we are committing to working with that alliance. That's the SDG declaration in a nutshell. And how many people have signed up to it so far? How many groups have signed up to it? I believe it's 199. <laughs> oh, so close to that 200. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So if people are keen, they can, obviously, they can obviously get involved and sign up as well? Yep, they can. Um, at the moment, we're still working with the Google form that those first 199 people have signed up using. Sally, you're going to be able to post a link to that Google form. I can't say it because it's just a long string of letters and numbers <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, forward slashes and that kind of thing. So that's the easiest way. And we're looking for a better option at the moment. Um, so we should see some new information coming out about that soon. But it, it's really simple. It's just jump on that Google form, write your name, can upload your signature, can upload your organization if you're signing on behalf of an organization. And then we're kind of managing the back end of that. Not got anything you'd like to add around this? Noticed that the declaration was a, a great achievement that came out of the summit and we were thrilled that so many people signed up for it. Yeah, so, so far we've got, I think, five of the eight universities have signed up to it. One of the local government organisations, Christchurch City Council, has just signed up to it. Yeah, so quite a range of different and diverse organisations 
including some businesses. How have you been getting the word about out to people in terms of, for example, businesses or local governments? Have you been sort of door knocking for want of a better word? It's been through publicity for the summit and it was spoken to directly at the summit back in September. And I think the word has been slowly traveling around for some of the organizations that have more recently signed up. They, you know, heard about it at the summit and then had to go back to their boards and and so on and so forth to get approval. So, you know, they're kind of trickling in. But we think that it's an open-ended process. You know, we don't have much capacity to do the promotion side of things. So, yeah, it's just interesting to see how it's traveling and You mentioned at the end there that the last two commitments are related to the SDG Alliance, and that's presumably the body that will be progressing this mahi. It would be great to hear from you both around what is the SDG Alliance and and what kind of work are we hoping or expecting to see it doing down the line? We tried to work out how we could bring people together and, I guess, avoid duplication and make sure we're sharing resources and supporting one another so we thought about uh, if you think of a fuddy and how that is like human anatomy and then there's co within the fuddy that are designed to hold up the tahuhu which is the backbone of the fuddy and that provides the foundations and support so if the po collapses the whole fuddy kind of collapses so we took the po concept and we uh, looked at how we could have a po dedicated to one or a few or a cluster of the SDGs, and that would be a function of the alliance. So organisations, individuals would support their PO in, I guess, advancing and advocating for a fair and just society by providing information, data, case studies, and supporting them. So it could be something really simple as sending in your monthly reports or your annual report, or it could be something a little bit more in-depth. We looked at it like through Rangatira Tanga, we all do things individually that support us, but through Kotahi Tanga, we come together when we need to. The PO will be, I guess, places of deepening knowledge, mātauranga, sharing with the rest of the Alliance and building on that knowledge and advocacy work. So not necessarily designed to be, I guess, a data place, but also proactive in being able to, you know, send out media releases and say, hey, look what's happening here and hold that information so that that can, I guess, give us a true state of the SDGs in Aotearoa and contain, I guess, examples of best practice, mātauranga wisdom. Yeah, so that, that was the whole intent of that and so it wasn't uh, like a formal process be flexible around it you could organize events you could send out emails and each PO would kind of operate differently whatever suited their their cluster so for example if Matt was a a PO of zero hunger and I subscribed to that I could be sending him information or sending his group information and they would be able to disseminate that and get a true picture of what's happening around the motu. And, you know, I think that's really exciting. I'm really excited by the idea of that. And, you know, we've had some really good feedback around that model and people, I guess, um, can see themselves in that model. So it's not too formal. It's not too, too, not too much pressure. But, you know, the long-term goal is that we get that, that true picture of what's actually happening around the SDGs. And, Long term, that could feed into the next report 
it can strengthen each SDG area. Yeah, like I said, I, I feel really excited about some of the mahi that the Alliance could do. We're not formal at the moment in terms of we're not a legal entity, and so we're just going through that process at the moment. We think that it could be like an enduring entity that, that may employ staff further down the track or you know, hold funds, distribute funds, make submissions. So we're just working through that process at the moment. So we've had a lot of people come forward from the summit and say, hey, these are my skills, I can do this, I can help you with that. And so that was really encouraging to think that people see themselves in that concept, yeah. What I really like about what you've been describing there, Moko, is it's almost like a virtual or a kind of a life representation of what we were talking about right at the start, which is that SDG number 17, that idea of partnership for the goals. This is a real kind of enactment of what that goal could be. Yeah, yeah. And like Matt said, you know, people want to see action. You know, we want to be tackling things, but we also want to be, I mean, there's been some really good stuff happening around the motto, um, especially in the in the area of food sovereignty and food summits. And so bringing all that information together, you know, the worst that could happen is that people are doing some mahi over here, not knowing that another group are doing the same thing somewhere else. And so how how can you share resources and move forward in the same direction? And we're not saying that we've got all the answers, but what we're trying to do is, is I guess, I think, you know, the most important thing will be Kotahitanga going forward. And I think, I think it's really exciting to be able to think what outcomes we could achieve through this together. I think that what excites me the most about the alliance is the idea of an alliance. It feels like a cohort of people who are keen and ready and willing and excited to work together and stand shoulder to shoulder with one another to achieve a clear goal. And it's just so needed, you know, and it's so wanted as well. It's so wanted that um, probably Mokua and the team have got people banging on their door about it, you know, <laughs> but it just is a thing that it just has to happen. So it's cool that it is happening. And for me, I can't wait to jump on board. There's some nice whakapapa to that from the summit's and then the series that Matt and that had been leading, then we had the online summit, and then from that got the declaration, the alliance, and then that leads into the next one, which we run in the Waikato. So you've got, you know, Harvey Brooks is part of the group, and he's running the wellbeing project, and you've got Iris Paho and Dr. Jill Greer, and so it's got a consistency to it, but it's flexible as well, and so leading into the next summit, I think all that is really important. And it, I think it anchors the SDGs in a way that they haven't really been anchored in Aotearoa before. Just as a point of clarification, do people who sign up to the declaration then kind of automatically become a member of the Alliance or is that a separate process? It's a separate process. So a group might endorse the declaration, but not have, I guess, time or don't want to become part of the Alliance. So they, they are two separate things. They're two separate things, but... I guess they, you know, operate side by side. I would agree with that. The declaration does talk about the alliance. It doesn't say, you know, by signing the declaration, I become a member of the alliance, but it says I commit to working with the SDG Alliance to publicly report on our progress prior to the next national SDG summit. Yeah, so definitely expecting a strong connection between the two. And, I mean, there just is because, you know, we like each other. (laughs) (laughs) and what will happen down the line in another month or two months or five months in terms of the progression on of the mic will people say okay you are all part of a po 
here is everyone's contact details and, and you're kind of free to run with that how you like. Is that sort of the intention? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what we're working through at the moment. So we're taking goal 17 and working with that as, a, as an example. Then we've got an email list of people and communicating with them, you know, what the next steps are and just trying to put people's skill sets where they are best suited at the moment to get us going. And then once we've kind of got that sorted, we, then people can run with it. So people are just kind of waiting on us really to keep moving. And Moko, I'm imagining this is kind of an additional piece of work for you. It's not, it's not kind of part of your core work. No, it's definitely not part of my core work, but it is part of, I guess, my core responsibility to my uh, community and and my whānau and my hapu. And, you know, like I said, I really, I like the idea of us subscribing to something greater than ourselves. And, you know, I've been to lots of events overseas where we've reported on Indigenous equality and have seen face-to-face what's going on in, in other countries with Indigenous people. And it's quite soul-destroying. And so, like I said, yeah, I, li- I like the idea of us subscribing to something greater than ourselves and, you know, wanting people to have a better life. This is just not working at the moment and things are getting worse. And, you know, how can we collaborate and make, make things a little bit easier and, and better for people? Because it's it's ridiculous, like Matt said, that, that people are not eating and it's ridiculous that there's so many homeless people and, and housing, it's... Um, you know, it shouldn't be happening. Well, just as we wrap up, Moko, that was a lovely summation. But Matt, have you got anything else you'd like to add as your kind of final thoughts? You know, I think that the big challenge in front of all of us is to do exactly what Moko was just talking about and sort of have that bigger picture in mind and be prepared to work with that as the focus rather than what a lot of us have always been taught, which is, you know, to take care of ourselves first. I mean, I think that is important, but it's sort of an understanding that when we work with the bigger picture in mind, that is how we take care of ourselves and also how we contribute to improving the world around us. But I think it's just such a massive mind shift for so many people to think that way. And, you know, it's a learning journey for all of us as well, as we probe into that Yeah, and that's another reason why the alliance is so important because it helps us as individuals to kind of see the best in others and the best in what different organizations are doing so that we can learn more as well. You know, I look at what's happening at Glasgow and I, you know, I see, oh, making a commitment to make firmer commitments next year is not (laughs) an outcome. Like that's exactly what, we don't want to see, and it's because it's so hard to step outside of our own kind of sectoral or financial or whatever interests and just think about the bigger picture. And with the, the politics around um, COVID and, you know, the divisions that seem to be, oh, I mean, there are some big challenges, you know, but I guess in the final analysis, I, pre- I prefer and actually need to focus on the positive and see the good and, and to see the best of what people are doing and, and, yeah, just make that my focus. So it's cool to be also working with other people like Moko who do the same thing and yourself, Sally. Moko, any final thoughts you'd like to add? They did a massive survey and they consulted with millions and millions of people around the globe and asked them to prioritise the 16 goals 
And I think the question was, the world that you want. And the top four were always health, education, jobs, and good governance. And so it's just basic needs that people are wanting. I think, too, with New Zealand, with Māori, more resources into Māori and, and giving resources to Māori to, to work what's best in our communities is one of the answers, you know, rather than establishing programs that we are kind of in a master-servant relationship with the Crown. Letting go of some of that power, like Matt said, is the way to go forward. And a lot of that's tied up with understanding decolonisation. And, you know, we talked a bit about it in one of the webinars around how it's a little bit like a first aid certificate. It's an essential part of your work that you do. You renew it every two years and that, you know, pushes you along your decolonisation journey. And I think, you know, that's what's needed with a lot of departments and agencies that are responsible for distributing money and programs to communities. I really love the idea of a biannual decolonisation certificate. I think that would be a great idea. Yeah, because it's part of your workplace health and safety, I suppose. Yeah, ongoing learning. I'd like to say thank you so much, Tana Korua. I've been kind of involved in this, but it's been really interesting to learn even more about the whole process. And it's also super exciting to think that we might have something that's really a concrete, tangible, action-orientated way forward. So thank you so much for the mahi that you've both done in this space for so long. And yeah, fingers crossed for doing great things as we move forward. Kia ora, Sally. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been, a, it's been really cool to chat. And Moko, would we like to wrap up with the karakia? Yeah, of course. Thanks again, Sally. Kia ora, Matt. Lovely to see you as always. Unuhia, unuhia. Unuhia ki te uri tapanui, kia wātia, kia māma, te koukou, te tīnana, te wairua, i te ara takata. Koia rā e rapo, whakairia ake ki roka, tūturu whakamaua kia tīna. Tīna, huie, tāgie. Oh, you're...